What's up, guys? Welcome back to Sunday Sports Club Podcast, a podcast all about sports told by a woman. I know, what a fucking crazy concept. Girls, sports, they just don't mix together, right? No, that's wrong. My name is Allison Kush. I'm married to NFL player Isaac Rochelle. He has been in the NFL for seven years and he is currently with the Las Vegas Raiders. And we are on episode, I believe, nine. That's absolutely insane that we are already on episode nine. That means like we're more than halfway through the football season. If you guys are new to the podcast, I'm so happy you're here. I'm happy that you are curious about football. You want to know more. This is a great place to start because I really dumb it down. Like I'm not getting in the nitty gritty. I'm not worried about like, oh, you know, this happens, but like 1% of the time this could happen. No, we're talking about the basics. We're getting everything down pat and then we can worry about, you know, some of the more, I don't know, particular things later on. But I feel like it's really good to have a baseline education when it comes to football. So if this is your first time listening to Sunday Sports Club podcast, I really highly suggest going and listening to a few of the other episodes because it's kind of like one of those books. You don't really know what the fuck is going on in book three if you just pick up book three and start reading. But if you read book one or two, or both of them, then you might have a better understanding of book three. So in prior episodes, I've explained about what a down is in the game of football. I've explained fines in the game of football, what a typical home game is like. And today we are going to be talking about penalties. And penalties are a super important thing to know when it comes to the game of football, because penalties can really decide if you win or lose a game. So we're going to get into that later on in the episode, but first, obviously, we have to hop into some current events. So we are heading into week 11, okay, people? Week 11, and it was around this time last year that my husband was actually released from the Cleveland Browns, and it's just a really weird time of the year to be released. Obviously, that's not the case this year, but you never know what's going to happen. I mean, with my husband being in his seventh year in the NFL, we've seen it all. You can get cut on a day's notice. You might see it coming, but I'm just saying around this time last year, he was released, and so it might be helpful to like give you guys an insight as to what that would look like if you were to get cut, especially because we're about to literally have a baby. Like I am not too far away from being full, full term. Like if I were to go to the hospital, they would not prevent me from going into labor. That is actually terrifying. And I feel like it's, my pregnancy has just gone by so fast because of the NFL, because I've been worrying about so many other things. And I have not even been thinking about the fact that I'm about to bring a human into this world through a very, very tiny hole in my body. So we are heading into week 11 and Isaac and I touched on the podcast last week that the Raiders have changed coaching staffs. So things are running a little bit different than they have been running the past few weeks of the football season because a team or an organization basically runs according to the GM and the head coach and just the generalized coaching staff. And when I say day-to-day, I mean like what time our practices, how quick our practices our walkthrough super long, our meeting super long. Do you guys have victory Mondays? All of that stuff. So the past week, Isaac and I have been trying to find time in his schedule to set up room for our baby. 
And as many of you know, or if you are new here and you have no idea who the fuck I am, we are only living in Vegas for football season. Vegas is not our home. Orange County is our home, but we also live temporarily in Texas. I actually just came across a Reddit page the other day that was bitching about the fact that we have two houses. And I totally understand that. I do totally understand that. But I was like, how many people in this world have like a main house and then have like a lake house? Because that's kind of what our Texas house is. And we didn't just buy it for us. We bought it for all of our family to use as well. So it's more so like a lake house owned by the whole family, but we just purchased it. And we're like allowing family to go whenever it's like an open door policy. But I can't always defend myself when it comes to hate comments because I live a very unrelatable type of lifestyle. And I put myself out there. I share my life. So whenever I get hate, I just have to understand that it's just a consequence of me being very open because I know so many other influencers who do X, Y, or Z or purchase this or purchase that. And social media is their main source of income where that's not really the case for me and my husband. But it's just very interesting because a lot of those influencers aren't receiving hate because they're not really showing a huge part of their personal life. So it's just like a a consequence I get, but that's me going off on a tangent. So my husband and I do not live in Vegas full time, meaning that basically we're going to be giving birth here. We, it's not really a we type of process like making the baby is. When I say we, I mean, I'm going to be giving birth here. We are going to be going through the postpartum process here in Vegas. And then as soon as football season is done, we then will be moving to Texas and we will be living in Texas this off season. We will only really be here maybe like a month and a half, two months. I'm obviously going to do what's safest for our daughter in terms of like her traveling, going on a plane. And I can't wait to talk more about how we're going to be leaving Vegas because we have to think about, hey, we have two dogs. We have a cat. We have a newborn baby. Is an airport the best place to go? Probably not. That'll be really interesting to like have to like figure out all of like the plans related to that. Because we are only in Vegas temporarily, we are not setting up a nursery. I feel like I've talked about this on previous episodes before, but we are not setting up a nursery here. If you want to like refer to my bedside bassinet and the recliner and her dresser being in our bedroom as her nursery. I'm totally fine with that. We're just making whatever we can make work while we're here. And I don't want to like overdo it here. And when I first moved to Vegas, I was like, oh, we have this cute little office area. We can paint it. We can do this. We can do that. That would have been really stupid. Okay. A baby doesn't even go in their nursery for the first few months of life anyways, or at least that's not the plan that Isaac and I are planning to do with our daughter. So it just would have been a huge waste of time. And then having to like change it when we leave here, yada, yada, yada. But we are trying to make it feel as normal as possible. It's a really, I don't know how to phrase this without receiving hate because this is not like something a lot of people deal with. I'm having a really hard time being okay with bringing our daughter to a temporary place that we're living in. And I think it's just because these are huge memories that we're going to be creating. This is my first baby ever. So this idea in my head of what newborn life would look like is not 
what it's going to look like. We're gonna be bringing her home to a home that's kind of unfamiliar to me. We're gonna be bringing her to a place that's very temporary and it just doesn't feel super homey. And in, when I think about postpartum, I think about like, hey, I wanna be super comfortable in my bed, in my bedroom. Like whenever you're sick, don't you ever like just wanna go home? You just wanna be in your own bed, your own sheets and be super, super comfy. It's just something I've been having a hard time coming to terms with and it makes me a little upset. And so I've put off setting up anything for our daughter all the way up until now. And like I said, if I go to the hospital right now, there's a very good chance they're just gonna let me go into labor. Like there's no preventing it. <sighs> so... I have been watching YouTube videos and I was like, okay, we really got to get our shit together. So now I'm in like, okay, full nesting mode. Let's get the bassinet set up. Let's get her drawers. Let's get her diapers, everything set up for the best possible scenario. Like if we go to the hospital today, like everything's good to go here. And we are just not in that place. With my husband being in the NFL, his schedule dictates so much of our life because Monday he's at work. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Like the only day he really has off are Tuesdays. And when he does come off of work on the other days, he doesn't come home until like 5.30 or six o'clock depending on the week. And that in and of itself is really difficult because you guys, it gets so dark here so fucking quick. It is dark at like 4.45. I'm actually filming this podcast at like 3.30 and it looks like the sun is setting. It's very depressing. It's really fucking with my mental. And then on top of that, I don't want to put together my daughter's nursery when it's pitch dark outside. That's me being very, very particular, but we're working with what we got. Last week was the first week of the Raiders changing coaching staffs. And like I said, we touched on that last episode. A big majority of like how their schedules run has changed. So with this new GM and this new head coach, things look very different. So last week when they the Raiders beat the Giants, they gave them Victory Monday. And Victory Monday is essentially when you get Monday off of like the day after the game. My husband has been on NFL teams that I've done it before. The Raiders, he has never been on the Raiders while they've been doing Victory Monday or they've never done Victory Monday while my husband's been on the Raiders. It just kind of gave us like a full reset. Like Monday, we were able to like fully reset after the game. We cleaned the house. And then Tuesday, we were like, oh, like let's go to Target. Like let's go to this baby store. Let's go try out this stroller. It was so nice having that small, small break. I'm really looking forward to the bye week because the bye week is a week off of football. And with the previous head coach, we didn't know if they were actually going to get a full bye week. Coaches can go, they can like not really not break the rules, but they can bend the rules. And we just heard that last year with this head coach, that they didn't actually get a full bye week. Whereas in this head coach, it might be different. They actually might get a few days off, which will be really nice. Not only to spend time with my husband before our baby arrives and it's no longer just me and him, which is kind of a terrifying thought, but it also will give us time to prepare and do her laundry, yada, yada, yada. If you guys aren't like a mother or if you're not planning to have kids, I'm sorry if all of that was super fucking boring. I've been talking for like eight minutes. So I apologize. I apologize if that was really fucking boring, but I just felt the need to kind of touch on like where me and my husband are at and how the NFL season is affecting having a baby because the NFL does affect having a baby. It affects where you give birth. It affects 
where you bring your baby home to, it affects, hey, if I get cut, what the fuck is going to happen? Like, are we going to stay in Vegas? My husband and I are now at the point where if he were to get cut, like he got cut last year with the Cleveland Browns, we would stay in Vegas just because I can't travel. We have a doctor here and it would just make sense to stay put. In other news, another current event that's happening I feel the need to touch on is players... I feel when they get on practice squad or they get released from an NFL team, people are always like, oh my God, you're on the practice squad. You're, you just got released. Like just retire now. I want to bring up a very important player that is currently fucking killing it. Josh Dobbs is a very good friend of me and Isaac's. He and his girlfriend lived in the same apartment complex as us when we were with the Cleveland Browns last year. Josh Dobbs got cut towards the end of the football season, just like my husband had gotten cut. So we spent a lot of time together just kind of like hashing it out. We were going through very similar experiences, yada, yada, yada. Josh then ended up getting picked up by the Titans at the end of the football season and finished out the football season last year with the Titans. This year, he ended up re-signing back to the Cleveland Browns, and then he got traded to the Arizona Cardinals, started with the Cardinals the entire year up until two weeks ago, and got traded to the Minnesota Vikings and has been starting for the Minnesota Vikings the past two games and has been absolutely killing it. So people on the internet might say, oh, Josh Dobbs should have just quit football. Like he was on practice squad. He got cut. He's obviously not very good. Josh Dobbs is now starting and fucking killing it. That's where I get so frustrated where people are like, oh my God, your husband's on practice squad. Y'all, it's still the NFL. Do you know how hard it is to get on practice squad? There are guys sitting on their couches at home right now wishing that they could get a call to go on practice squad. So I just wanted to put that out there. Josh Dobbs is the quarterback now for the Minnesota Vikings. He's absolutely killing it. And it just goes to show that you just can't count a player out no matter what. There are some players that have gotten drafted in the first round and now they're no longer on a team and my husband is still on a team and my husband was a seventh round draft pick so you just you can't label a football player because one opportunities are so different varying from team to team coaching staff to coaching staff uh like play schemes play calls yada yada they can flourish other places whereas in they might not flourish on other teams. So I just thought that was very interesting. So if your husband or your boyfriend or girlfriend or sister wants to be like, oh my God, they suck. They got cut. Yeah, lots of players get cut. And then they go on and they fucking kill it. And so you just have to look at the NFL as like, there's a bigger picture and it's not always the case. Like if my husband is not playing in every single game, like he's currently inactive right now, does that make him a bad player? Some might think so. Another team could view him as like a huge asset. So it's very interesting. Sometimes I have to bite my own tongue because I see so much of the behind the scenes of the NFL that a lot of fans don't even know about. I can either sit here and like try and prove them wrong or I can just sit here and be like, okay, Brad, yeah, like you sitting on your couch, like, yeah, you know more than me, like that's totally fine. Or like sitting here and like watching them just talk shit about another player. I'm like, okay. Like, sure, you know what you're talking about. It's just like, a, like, why even argue in a fight that you're not, like, you can't win because you're like, okay, there's just no reasoning with you. So that was another current event I kind of wanted to talk about. And now we're heading on to position of the week. Position of the week is wide receiver. 
What is a wide receiver in the game of football? A wide receiver is an offensive player that catches the ball. So he is trying to outrun, outmaneuver, or literally just be taller and better than a cornerback or a safety that is trying to catch the ball. And they are on the defense of the other team. Wide receivers that are highly paid are Stefan Diggs. He's actually leading the NFL in receiving yards. You have Tyreek Hill. And of course, I have to mention Raiders, and that's Devontae Adams. And Tyreek Hill is the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL at $30 million a year. So a wide receiver is a very important player on every NFL team. If you guys are rooting for the Bears or the Vikings or whatever NFL team you are rooting for, I highly recommend stopping this podcast and going and looking up your top receivers for your NFL team, or at least the highly paid ones, because they are the people who are game makers. They're the ones catching the ball and uh, hopefully scoring a touchdown. Another player that can score a touchdown would be a tight end or a running back, but a wide receiver is going to be past the ball. That concludes that for today's position of the week. Do your homework, go and look up your wide receiver of your favorite NFL team. And now we are going to be talking about what a penalty is in the game of football. A penalty is when you have a loss of yard because you basically foul. Now, a penalty can result in a fine, but it does not always necessarily result in a fine. A penalty can make or break a football game. If you are watching a football game and one team has 10 penalties and the other team has zero penalties, the team with the most penalties is usually going to lose the game just because there's stupid mistakes that result in loss of yards. It's very hard to win a game when you just keep having a bunch of penalties because those penalties penalties will set you back yards. If you're watching a football game, how you can notice when a penalty is called is the referee will throw up a yellow flag, it'll land on the ground, and that is what a penalty is. Sometimes a ref will also throw up their hat if they don't have a yellow flag with them, but that's in very like particular cases. It doesn't always happen. So a penalty results in loss of yards. Now there are a lot of penalties in the game of football and they each mean different loss of yardage. So I'm going to pull out my computer because I don't fucking know every single penalty off the top of my head. I have a general understanding of every penalty, but I just can't like sit here and like count them out. When I first started watching football, I didn't really have a great understanding of what a penalty was or what they really meant. And now that my husband has been playing in the NFL for seven years and have actually been watching the games and been more worried about the plays happening rather than the drinks that I'm drinking like I did in college. I have loved knowing what a penalty is and seeing, oh, hey, is that pass interference or is that a false start? And me trying to call out like what player it is or what I think before the ref has time to call for a flag. Or if I see a flag on the field, I'm like, oh, I think I know that that means this. And so it's been really fun knowing that. And that's why I think this is such an like a important podcast. Oh my God, my daughter's kicking my lungs right now. That's why I feel like today is like one going to be one of my favorite episodes because knowing what a penalty is one can set you apart like if you are a beginner in watching the game of football if you are a recent Swifty and you're new to the game this can really like set you apart from just being a beginner and trying to figure it out versus like, oh wow, that girl actually knows what football is. I have the full definition of what a penalty is right here actually. It says when either the offense or the defense violates the rules of the games, they are assessed a penalty. 
And by penalty, they mean a loss of yards. The teams and fans know a penalty has been called when an official yells a yellow, an official yells, an official throws a yellow flag on the field. So the best way that I can break down penalties in the game of football is one, you have offensive and defensive penalties. Sometimes you have outlying penalties that could be a coach can get a penalty. Somebody on the sidelines can get a penalty. Um, really anybody can get a penalty that's like in the game of football. But the best way I can break it down is offense and defense. So if you're on offense, a offensive penalty will result in loss of yards, meaning that to get the first down, it's going to be a lot more difficult because it's going to keep putting you back and back and back. If you're on defense, it usually will give the offense a first down. So you, if you're on defense, you really do not want to get penalties. If you're on offense, you really do not want to get penalties. It's, you know, like I mentioned earlier, if you're getting a lot of penalties, it's really going to fuck up the game. If you have a lot of penalties, you're probably going to lose the game because it can really change how often you're getting first downs or how far you are from getting a touchdown or how far you are from getting a field goal. It can really make things complicated. So I'm going to kind of break it down based off of the most common penalties in the game of football. And I'm going to tell you if they're offense or defensive penalties as well. We're not going to go over all of them. If you are curious, you can just Google NFL penalties and it'll go over each individual one. And with penalties, the ref one obviously will throw the yellow flag, like I mentioned, but two, he has like these hand signals that he does when he calls out and announces the penalty. So that's always very interesting to know. It's not like super important. Like I don't recommend learning that. I feel like it's more important to almost know what the penalty is based off of what it's called. To start off with, we will start with the probably most common offensive penalty, and that is a false start. So a false start in the game of football, let me just remind you, if you're on offense, you are with the quarterback, you're trying to get the touchdown, you're trying to get the first down essentially, and then get the touchdown. For a false start, it's basically when an offensive player is not set or jumps the snap, meaning that they move forward before the center snaps the ball. So the center has to snap the ball, and then once the center snaps the ball, that initiates the game. That initiates like the play clock that initiates like, okay, players are allowed to move. If the center does not snap the ball and let's say the wide receiver starts running across the line of scrimmage, that's going to be a false start. And a false starts penalty would be a loss of five yards. So if offense is on the 10 yard line, they then would be set back to the 15 yard line. Like I mentioned, it's not as easy to get 15 yards to get a first down as it would be to get 10 yards. And you might be thinking in your head like, oh wow, like 10 yards, 15 yards, it doesn't really seem that big of a difference. It's a huge difference. And then we have like the second most common offensive penalty and that is offensive holding. So holding, you might think, is a really dumb penalty, but it makes a lot of sense. And for me, it was very complicated when I first started learning the game of football because I was like, wait, why wouldn't an offensive player be able to hold a defensive player back from tackling the other player? But you basically cannot hold the defensive player from going towards another player. You have to play it very smart. So it honestly has to do a lot with your hand placement. It has to do a lot with like the way you're holding the defense player and this call will usually be called on the offensive line now there are circumstances where it's like the tight end might get called 
on holding, or I guess the quarterback could be called on holding. But like, if you see a offensive player holding back a defensive player by like his jersey or even his shoulder, that's going to be holding. And holding is one of those penalties that can be offensive holding or defensive holding. So if it's an offense and it's committed by an offensive player, it's 10 yards. So if you're on the 10 yard line, you now have, you're now set back to the 20 yard line and that's 20 yards to get a first down. Or if you're on defense, that's five yards and an automatic first down committed by the defense. If the offense is on the 10-yard line, they get to go five yards and it's going to be an automatic first down. So now you're on the five-yard line. This is a little bit more difficult to explain just like on a podcast. Like I said, if you have any confusion with it, I highly recommend going over to like YouTube and getting like a graphic image. I'm only going to try my best to describe it with my words, but some of these things, it does make it a little bit more difficult. And then the last penalty, Penalty we're going to cover for offense is going to be a intentional grounding. So this is always going to be called on the quarterback. If the quarterback is being rushed by all these defensive players and he wants to get rid of the ball quickly, because if you get rid of the ball, you don't have a loss of yards. It really just sets you back where you were and you're able to like kind of have a fresh start. But if you have intentional grounding, that is going to be a penalty. So what is the difference between intentional grounding and just throwing the ball out and making it look like a pass. It's honestly just throwing it at the floor. It's a very unrealistic throw. Like you're not throwing to anybody in particular or you're throwing off or you're throwing behind you and you're throwing the ball at the ground. That would be intentional grounding and it's just not allowed. Now, some of these rules you might be thinking, okay, that doesn't like... (laughs) Isn't this just like the game of football? But a lot of these penalties are made for a reason because they want to keep the game going. They don't want to have it just be unfair because every time a quarterback is being ran at, he could just throw the ball at the ground and then he wouldn't have a loss of yards. So you really have these penalties set in place to protect the integrity of the game. If you get the penalty of intentional grounding, it is 10 yards or spot a foul plus a loss of down. So you could lose a down. You also get a loss of 10 yards. Honestly, it's just better to take the sack and to work off of that than to go 10 yards because the odds you're getting sacked more than 10 yards are very, very slim. If you guys don't know what a sack is, make sure to go to the previous week because last week, that's what we talked about. We talked about what a sack is in the game of football. (laughs) So those are just some quick offensive penalties. We're now going to move on to defensive penalties. And I apologize if you're listening to this and it sounds a little choppy, but it's just a lot of information to give you guys. And I do not memorize how many yards you're losing or gaining if you're getting some of these penalties. I basically just know the gist of it and what it would look like in the game of football. So for defensive penalties, I feel like defensive penalties are a lot more common because the ball being thrown, like they really protect offense a lot. So when you have a defensive penalty, some of the most common ones, you can have a defensive offsides, which is the equivalent of offensive false start. So basically somebody jumps off of sides and is going before the ball is snapped and that's a big no-no. So that would be a penalty. You have defensive holding, which I already kind of mentioned when I talked about offensive holding. You just can't prevent a player from like running towards the ball or you can't like hold them back by like grabbing onto their shirt. Some of the most intense 
defensive penalties are roughing the holder, roughing the kicker, and roughing the passer. So the game of football really wants to protect the holder, kicker, and passer because these players don't really see anybody coming at them. So they're trying to protect these players not only for the game of football, but also in terms of safety. So roughing in any sense would be a 15-yard penalty and an automatic first down. And the reason that is so important to know is because if you rough, let's say the passer or you rough the kicker, in that sense, you could be on a fourth down and a quarterback could throw the ball. And if you tackle the quarterback after the ball is thrown, it would set them up for a first yard or for a first down, meaning that you just gave them a fresh set of downs. They really protect, protect the players that are kind of like innocent in a way. Like they don't really see you coming. You want to protect your quarterback because that's the most important player in the game of football. Like you don't really have a ton of quarterbacks just at your disposal. Protecting these players is very, very important, which is why they have such a huge penalty in friction. That's not the right word. Why they have such a huge penalty or like loss of yards. Aside from roughing any of these players, another very, very common defensive penalty would be a defensive pass interference. So if the offense is throwing the ball, let's say the quarterback is throwing the ball to a wide receiver. Now we know what a quarterback is. Now we know what a wide receiver is because we've touched on both of those for player of the week. But if a quarterback is throwing to a wide receiver and a defensive player on the other team prevents that receiver from making a fair catch, now he can block it, but he can't prevent the player from going at the ball and having a fair catch. So that would include him holding the player back or holding his arm down or any type of physical like touching that was would result in him not being able to fairly catch the ball. Now, this penalty is so important to know because wherever the ball would have been caught, if no matter if the player caught it or the player didn't catch it, it's very important to know that it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter if the player caught the ball or didn't catch the ball, because if there is a pass interference call on the play and there is a penalty, the ball, wherever it would have been caught, is now being moved to that line. So let's say the quarterback is throwing for 30 yards. So the ball would have been caught, let's say, on like the 20 yard line and the player doesn't catch the ball, but there's a pass interference, the ball now moves to that 20 yard line, despite the fact that the player didn't catch the ball because the defensive player prevented that player from catching it. If that makes sense. Now, in addition to offensive and defensive penalties, you also have some that are kind of on both sides. So they could be offensive or defensive penalties. And this would be called a chop block penalty, a clipping penalty, delay of game penalty, delay of kickoff. The list goes on and on, but it's essentially just to keep the game going and keep the game fair. In addition to some of those, you also have like unnecessary roughness or unsportsmanlike conduct or taunting. So you can't taunt like if a offensive player gets a touchdown and is like running over to the defense and like taunting it in their face, that's going to be a penalty. Now, does it take away the touchdown? No, but the penalty will then be assessed after kickoff. Overall, penalties can make or break a football game and they also can be very difficult to learn because there are so many penalties on offense, on defense, for both sides of the ball, for coaches, like coaches can get a penalty, which I feel like a lot of people would find very surprising. And you also can decline a penalty 
if it makes sense for the like the game. A reason that you would de- decline a penalty is because sometimes a penalty will result in you getting a second chance at like your second down. And if you went more yards and you got a first down, a penalty or a, yeah, a penalty would be declined because you're like, well, wait, I want the first down. I don't want to redo that second that second down. It can be very difficult, but it definitely adds interest to the game of football. And it's something that I find super interesting. I feel like I could talk about penalties in another episode as well and even maybe have my husband on to talk about them because there are so many and there are so many different like factors and details that make penalties very important to the game of football. And there's a lot of reasoning as to why these penalties are set in place. Like we talked about NFL fines. I think it was three weeks ago. Those are for the safety of the players. They're to like uphold what the NFL means, what the NFL looks like and I feel like the same goes for penalties like the NFL has an image to uphold you can't have players like unsportsmanlike conduct and taunting or hitting head-to-head and sometimes penalties do result in fines and I feel like that's another like thing we could even talk about is that player like player to player penalties like if my husband goes up and he goes head-to-head on a tackle that would not only be a penalty on the football field, but he would also get a fine because you're trying to protect some of these players. You can appeal the fine and say, oh, like this was my first offense. Like, I don't feel like it's necessary for me to pay $10,000, $20,000 for hitting head-to-head contact. And sometimes that appeal is given, sometimes it's not. It just really, really depends. Sometimes penalties are called from the New York offices. So in New York, they have like the headquarters, they're watching these NFL. NFL games and they can call down and be like, hey, like we don't want that player in the game anymore. Eject that player. And that's not even coming from the ref on the field. It's coming from somebody that's in New York that's sitting in an office. They're probably sitting, you know, in their sweatshirt, their comfy pants, and they're just like eating their popcorn and they're like, eject that player. No, it's probably a lot more professional than that. But there's so many ins and outs of penalties. And hopefully this gives you guys a good basis of what a penalty is. And if it doesn't, I highly recommend going over to YouTube. And the reason I say that is because a penalty and like seeing the loss of yards, it can be a very visual and like graphic understanding that you can't necessarily get from just listening to a podcast. So I hope that gave you guys kind of like a fresh understanding of what a penalty is. I hope you guys aren't leaving this like, holy shit, my head fucking hurts. Um, And hopefully you enjoyed this podcast as well. So if you did, be sure to head over to Sunday Sports Club podcast on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Give us a review, five stars if you liked it, one star if you hated it. Give me what you guys like, what you guys don't like. And if you have any questions pertaining to the game of football, be sure to head over to the Instagram account and send me a DM or comment on a reel or an Instagram and let me know what questions you guys have because I am here. We are trying to learn the game of football. Thanksgiving and Christmas are coming up and with holidays, that's family, that's friends, you're hanging out and football does not stop for the holidays. So I hope you guys enjoyed and I look forward to, I was going to say I look forward, I look forward to listening on Monday. No, I hope you guys look forward to listening next Monday. I'll talk to you soon. 